Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Sorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Over the last year, I've gone through a lot of, of changes, um, some unforeseen and some deliberate, and there's a relationship between the two for sure. And how I see that relationship is that the unforeseen circumstance of you know a, a relationship ending having to uproot myself and then coming back um, is that I made a vow to myself that the way that I would approach um, these sudden life changes is to go deeper within myself and to work on myself even more than I ever have in the past and the catalyst definitely was and is the kind of workout regime that I have. Um, so that's on top of the yoga practice that I do. And for those of you may not know, because um, I, I don't think I've talked about this yet, it's going to be in a future um, episode soon about why I'm a yogi. But essentially, my yoga practice has simplified significantly um, and what I've replaced the really intense vigorous exercise um, of yoga with is like CrossFit and high interval training and um, calisthenics um, but the the point that I'm getting to here is that all of this is an unfolding synchronicity and Though I've gone through the whole gamut of sadness and anger and frustration and confusion and sorrow and depression and then, you know, rebounding into joy and happiness, um, that there was this string and this stream that has continued throughout the entire year that is all a part of this podcasting process and this really culminates to today's guest um, her name is lindsey brown she is the host of a podcast called roadways uh sorry rogue ways and i gotta say talking with her has really been a blessing because she's very good at what she does. She's very good 
at being a very clear presence and um, really living within the intention that she has as a giver of spiritual knowledge and wisdom. Um, you know, you go to her website and she just has a plethora of offerings um, from Akashic record readings to um, individual counseling on just um, what it means to be spiritual. And that's exactly what we get into today is what does it mean to be spiritual? And, you know, I, I felt that this episode um, was kind of like an initiation for me in what it means to present the ideas that I'm presenting, what it means to be um, an interviewer and a podcast host and to enter into the world that she's been in for a while because, you know, she um, has two podcasts. Um, she's uh, uploading her stuff onto Rockfin, which is something hopefully I can get into um, as well eventually. But after being on her show, I think like three weeks ago now, and then getting to this uh, point of interviewing her, I felt that this was something for me to show my own capability of um, asking her questions that really bring out the full like body of the topic of really what does it mean to be spiritual and I just had a wonderful time talking with her and I really hope that you get something from this as well because um, I, I certainly did I was able to really be on point with you know asking questions and then kind of getting sidetracked but it all leading back and circling to another point that I had and it was just so fun to go on this journey of really in the moment watching the synchronicities unfold within our conversations and um, so with that said have a wonderful time listening thank you again for tuning in if you're new to this show please go check out my Instagram, uh, yogi.zoranunda. Um, I also have a um, Instagram page for the Renegade Yogi. It's just simply Renegade Yogi Podcast. And I'm still working on making clips. My life is uh, starting to wind down. I'm starting to like really deliberately just be a hermit and focus on the few things that I have in my life of like my, you know, nine to five day job and then the podcast and my book and my yoga meditation practice. But um, my intention is to like really just be a homebody for the winter because, um, you know, just over the weekend and today uh, and through this week, we're starting to get snow. And if you've never been in a place where snow is, Man, you need to look it up and you need to see what kind of world that I'm about to enter in. And so, you know, I have a wood burning stove in my place. So I'm just looking forward to making fires and turning on my laptop, turning on my setup and just getting into recording more episodes for y'all. Um, 
because like I said in the last episode at the beginning, um, this podcast is slowly growing, which is wonderful to see. And I'm having people actually, you know, reach out to me and ask me questions about the content. And uh, it's really lovely to see. And I, you know, I'm wholeheartedly continuing to follow this synchronicity. So without further ado, here is our conversation. And thank you. Enjoy. So welcome, Lindsay, to Ripe, the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. I'm particularly excited about this chat um, because you are part of this um, like neat synchronicity of my life of meeting a group of podcasters, um, particularly Sam Tripoli and uh, Mark Steves and... Um, you know, all of that kind of catapulted me into this position of having my own podcast and which led to meeting you through the union of the unwanted. Um, and now we're here. And also I want to thank you, um, for getting Jim Gale to come onto my show. Cause I talked to him on Wednesday and, uh, it was just fantastic. Holy man. He is a great dude and all the work that he's doing is, is amazing. I just felt like that was the next cat, like kind of caliber of guest that I was kind of looking for, for you to just come in and be like, Hey, here you go. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And, uh, I'm sure you can hear my dog Rupert, uh, whining. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I still need to take him for a W and he knows it and he's, (laughs) being a little baby but um yeah so if he if he barks and stuff um yeah that's just that's just him being him so um yeah so what i was kind of thinking about with this interview um is to get into kind of your history of how you got into the spiritual work that you're doing and how you've navigated the last like kind of two years of the transformation that we've gone through, right. Of like, you know, maybe the last like five to 10 years of the work that you've been doing and leading up to this, um, like kind of shutdown of the world and how to adapt through that. Cause I know for myself, it was pretty hard because I was, um, you know, like a quarter or more of my income was coming from teaching yoga and doing workshops and stuff. And then, Um, I was like in this amazing place of building a finally building like a steady um, uh, students to suddenly all of that being taken away. And I'm kind of like left in the shadow of of what I was. Right. Um, So let's start with um, just what you do as spiritual work and spiritual teachings and kind of go from there. Yeah, I they're great questions. And I really have been um, guided my whole life to end up right here right now. So I know that's sort of a cliche answer, but it's really very true. And it all happened similar to what we were talking about before we even started recording, just piece by piece by piece. And so um, it came together really well. And not to say that I didn't work really hard for it or that I didn't you know, definitely put my intention, my effort towards this. Um, but just that I, the, the biggest part of it was genuinely trusting my heart and the messages that I received from whatever people want to call 
you know, everybody has different ways of describing things, but really just source messages and, and trusting those, um, whether they were synchronicities or even more direct and following them to where they led. And so, you know, my whole life, I've really been a very spiritual person and it has never looked like most people have expected it to look. Um, it doesn't, it's never followed a specific path. So I often get asked like, well, what books did you read to, to get this knowledge you have or whatever? And I'm like, I didn't, I mean, there's a ton of books I read, right? But like, none of them are like, here's the manual to do what Lindsay does. Um, there's just such, so many pieces of different books and different art pieces and different movies and different things and different guides and different teachers. And they all have combined to do what I do now. And so, um, you know, I have my show Rogue Ways and I have uh, my show Middle Path and Rogue Ways has always been a bit spiritual because I'm a bit spiritual, uh, but Middle Path is very intentionally spiritual uh, and intending to share that with people, especially in a practical and applicable way, because I think a lot of people get scared off uh, from a spiritual sort of path and understanding because they look at certain teachers, gurus, or practitioners, or pathways that have been laid out, and they're like, oh, that's not really me. That doesn't really feel like me. None of these really feel like me, but I feel like a spiritual calling, and I really try to get down with that because that's how I was too. I'm like, none of that, none of them are really perfect for me and all of them have something golden for me. And so, um, you know, I want to bring the practical and applicable spiritual to people in a way that has no trappings, no pretension, and just like really real and raw, like here it is, here's some, here's some truth. <laughs> and here's some ways you can start to apply it right now even. And so we'll do practices together live on that on middle path and um and so that's like a piece of what i do is my shows but then i also do tarot readings for people i do spiritual healing work with people i do energy and sound healing with people i do blessings uh that i offer for people and i do what i call guidance sessions for people who are kind of looking because uh it can be very flexible for people who are looking for any sort of type of help along a huge spectrum <laughs> You know, you could be already a practitioner of, of various kinds and still need some support, which we don't always have because we don't always have really specific communities. And a lot of people do, right? And then a lot of people don't. They're kind of this nebulous general spiritual type that doesn't have like a church or a ashram or like, you know, this place they can go. And so it can be really helpful for kind of anyone in any situation to have a sort of guidance session. Um so that's kind of all the stuff I do and we could get more specific about any of it that we want to and, and how I was sort of guided to any of it if we want to get into that. But that's the that's the sort of bundle of, of the things that I do. That's not even all of them. Honestly, now that I'm done, I'm like, well, and there's also this and this and this. And so sometimes people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, whoo, take a seat. Let, yeah. me Let me tell you all the things. Yeah. Um, no, that's wonderful because um, – what I think is largely missing in um, the spiritual community is a kind of self-mastery where your work that you're doing for yourself and that you teach to others is pointing towards how each one of those individuals can also get into their self-mastery. And, and I think that's why the paradigm of the guru is... Um, kind of falling apart in the traditional sense of this master of this realm, whatever that realm is, um, is disseminating knowledge from that realm to its disciples, and the disciples kind of stay as disciples, right? Um, and 
what I found interesting about yoga and um, looking at the kind of uh, yogis and the masters that I um, work with is that they've all expressed that sentiment. You know, if you look at like Yogananda and his self-mastery, um, that comes from a veneration of his gurus and how he was a disciple of his gurus. And yet um, when he carved out his own path and came to America, suddenly he became a master to a bunch of disciples as well. And then likewise, right? So I made sure that the individuals that I brought into my sphere of influence, that they promoted that kind of self-mastery, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's any kind of perfection in it, like you were saying, right? The self-mastery is that you recognize the levels that you are being initiated into synchronistically just in your life, right? That there isn't really any one particular, like any book that you're reading that's going to tell you like, okay, here's the next level in synchronicity. That's just going to come about in your own way through your own guidance. And that can be triggered by the book in a way where you're reading certain content and you get an idea about um, just how you can go to the next step and you're still not sure, but then you meet someone like you, right? And then you're like, okay, here's the plethora of tools that I have and this is what's worked for me. And, you know, here's something that can work for you. And then suddenly um, that guidance helps them go further on their path and then suddenly go you know what like I'm really passionate about um, teaching people um, about sound healing right and that's something that I'm really interested in and suddenly you know they have a whole new pursuit in their life that they can focus on yeah it's thank you so much for describing it because I really uh, struggle to describe it as well as you just did but I do have that exact approach and I always tell any of my students or people I, I work with, you know, one-on-one as well, that, which are also my students in a way that my hope is that they don't ever need me again at some point. Right. And that they have found that self-mastery within themselves or their own guidance and their own system so that they can go on. Because the truth is any teacher I've ever had has been perfect for that moment in time. And they've been perfect for what I needed to know at that time. And then at some point I didn't honestly have anything left that they could give to me or that I could give back to them either. And it was just time for us to part ways and, and move on. And it was always very acceptable. I've had really good teachers and that was just, you know, how it went. And that's my hope for everyone because there, how could there be one teacher or even like a small handful of teachers that was all you ever needed because you are different from anyone who's ever existed. And so what you specifically need in your path is so different Mm. from anyone who's ever existed. It's also very similar, exactly very similar. You know, there really is only one path, but it's very unique to you and how you step and when you step and which direction and how far back you go and then how far forward you rush. Like those are all unique to you. And how could I ever tell you exactly what's gonna work for you? You know, I can help you hopefully to find deeper and deeper ways of connecting with yourself so that you can do that for you so that you don't need anyone else to do it for you because that's the best too right we don't want a middleman (laughs) we want a direct connection to source as much as possible uh and to kind of peel away all the layers that are in the way between us and that and trusting that and knowing that Uh, and that's my real passion is like no hierarchy cut out the middleman let's all do this for ourselves 
Um, and again, like I said, bringing that to people who I think have felt traditionally like they aren't aren't spiritual or aren't welcome in the spiritual world or you know they'll often see something that's really disingenuous and pretentious and awful in what's supposedly the spiritual world and then that turns people off whether it's a traditional church or any sort of path there can be this all kinds of things that are just really disgusting to people and they're like well I don't want that that doesn't feel good to me and so then they think all of it they don't want and the truth is like no your soul is calling to you for a reason it wants you to become closer and closer with it and to become closer and closer with source however that looks to you um and anybody everybody everybody is being called to that and this is something about what you said too is you know that there are less and less of these um traditional sorts of of masters and and gurus and teachers and whatnot uh in that in that sense and isn't that great because doesn't that mean there's so many people who are lifting themselves up higher and higher and clearer and clearer and seeing really what it is to be a human with a soul or whatever you want to call that uh that's beautiful right there's just more and more of those there's so many in fact that we don't even really and i will never say we don't need teachers we all need teachers it's just amazing how you can find a teacher in almost anything when you get down to it when you get sort of clear enough and connected enough you can learn as much from a rock as you can from, you know, like an ascended master, like the, the knowledge and the information, the wisdom is everywhere. It's just waiting. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to think of it that way. Cause I think, um, like initially that can be kind of confusing, right? Where, um, how can something that inherently has no like tangible way of communicating, um be compared to something that is proclaimed to be this beacon of wisdom and and love and light and and whatever um and, and i think the the ability to see um and to experience the wisdom from anything within your environment is the relationship that you have with yourself and that's essentially what like the guru and teacher is intending to show you um, and the unfortunate and the sad thing about the era that we're in is that many people, um, especially men teachers have taken advantage of that role and have put themselves in a, like a, in that like upper hierarchy of power where nature cannot do that and will not do that. Right. Like there are levels of hierarchy of like predator and prey but it's not guaranteed right and that's and that's really the difference is that um and and when you go far back enough especially in yoga um the so-called masters didn't want anything to do with societal living and they particularly went into nature to live alone and not have any disciples and if they had a disciples because the person just like bugged the shit out of them and just followed <laughs> them around and was like you're my master and the master would be like ah you know and and so like to look at the dichotomy now of where you have someone like Sadhguru with like millions of followers you know does interviews with will smith and like and and all these like actors and like um high profile people and is really putting himself in this beacon of light as like this um like it's just even the name Sadhguru, right like it's um the guru of gurus right which is like it's really interesting to think about but um 
you know, this is something that I've been really investigating and looking into for myself is um, when it comes down to the original like essence of what yoga is and what um, like that spiritual path is, um, it's to really denounce all of that stuff and to still be within society, right? So there is one thing that he does say that is interesting and kind of funny to think about is like um, undercover yogis, right? Where um, say in your instance, you know, you get a email or a message from someone because they heard one of your podcast episodes or um, another uh, podcast you were a guest on and they're like, you know what? I think you can really help me. Um, but I don't know where to start. I'm just like a nurse or something, or I'm just like in, I'm just a normal person. Like, how do I begin this? You know? And, um, that's where I think, um, that idea of like, well, start with the simplest truth is that, you can learn and find wisdom from anything. And so once you just go into the world and say, like, you look at your list of to do's and it's like, hey, I got to go to the grocery store. Um, I got to go do this and I got to do, do that. Like, just place in your mind the willingness to learn and go to the grocery store with that and have a sense of what something is in there that's going to give you a small little lesson to learn from. And that could be like you walk in and you see like the security guard trying to kick out a homeless person because they're just like hungry or something. And for whatever reason, like you just get the idea, buy him or her some food. Right. And then there's one little lesson. And then you have this. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff comes up. It's like, well, I didn't like, you know, I just came here to buy stuff for myself and like blah, 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 blah. And it's like. Well, maybe just that is communicating to you and, you know, and then they look back at like the session that they had with you and they're like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe this is something telling me like, th like, you know, my higher self is communicating to me that um, maybe this lesson is and how to be giving. Right. And that's what I think is actually more powerful in a spiritual sense than like obsessively following someone because you're like they are the ones that are gonna give me the enlightenment that i'm searching for when really it's like the next course is a thousand dollars the next course is two thousand dollars the next course is five thousand dollars the next course is ten thousand dollars and then you know five years later you've just spent like fifty thousand dollars on this person right yeah it's it's wild. The same sort of experience as you were before you spent the $50,000. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and I'll say sometimes, you know, those all have their purpose and their place too, right? There's people who are attracted to that, but, and that's the first dose of spirituality they've ever had. Yeah. And then they're taught and they see like, oh, like, especially when we're in groups, we have this massive power. We can like heal each other if we want, or we can heal ourselves or just being aware and present or just using observation is this amazing tool. And like all these things that are so new to them are, are unveiled in that way. And so that's, that's beautiful. That's cool. It just, it sucks when you get stuck there and then you believe that's like the only thing or it is the way or it's the thing, you know, I was talking uh, with someone from one of these groups and I won't name them, but um, a sort of bigger group. And they said uh, to me, well, you know, Jesus was okay uh, 
but this guy our master he's alive right now and he's like way better than jesus ever was and i was like i mean i don't care what you think about jesus or this guy but isn't it really weird to just say that this guy is better than jesus i mean how do you know were you there with jesus did you go back in time travel right now and be sure here's how jesus was and here's how our guy is and our guy's way better like why even bother to compare them in the first place and like what a weird sort of seemingly delusional to me uh really uh egotistical like just strange thing i was like okay i mean i don't um, even know really what to say in response except I know in my heart that it's like cringy and it doesn't feel good and it's not um, coming from a, a natural place. There's no need for it. Like, it's just, it's weird. Um, but people have sometimes a need to put people on a pedestal, even Jesus, you know, or anybody and to look up to them because they don't believe in themselves mm -hmm. enough. Right. And that's a stage we're all going through maybe, or have gone through. Uh, where we don't really and can't, you can't fake it. You can't fake deep belief in yourself. You can't fake really knowing your connection to source unless you've experienced it and really know it. And so it, and again, there's like a purpose that's served by these things where you need something because you need someone to aim for. And you need really what you need is that placeholder of belief that these things are possible until you can realize that that was always inside of you the mm. whole time <laughs> until you can really believe, oh, I was actually the one doing all that. If I got spontaneous healing, didn't come from that guy. Didn't, in fact, even really come from the group. It came from me really allowing it to happen and believing that it could happen with me. And then it happened. That didn't come from any, like, religion or any sort of, like, practice that I necessarily did. It came from a million practices I did. But it really was that internal knowing, that internal belief, and that allowing it to happen even. You know, and that those are all internal processes too. But so you don't like, I don't think, I think we need all of those types of experiences and beings and people and groups uh, because they do serve a purpose. In the meantime, to our self liberation and our self understanding and knowing, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that just even reminds me of some of my own experiences with spontaneous healing and, um, you know, and how it comes down to set and setting, right? Where, um, you know, uh, and this is a long story, but I'm just going to like, uh, like cut it down a bit. But um, I spent some time at a yoga school that ended up be like just turning out to be a yoga cult in, um, in Copenhagen, Thailand. Um, and while I was there the second time, I was really sick from eating just really gross Thai junk food. So that was like 100% my fault of just like <laughs> binging <laughs> like just terrible, terrible 7-Eleven <laughs> junk food. Yes. Um, but then um, like a couple of days after feeling well enough that I can go to the afternoon yoga class and um, using the end meditation to... Um, experience spontaneous healing and i and i had the wherewithal to know that it wasn't coming from the teacher it wasn't coming from um like the creator of the school that it was all the synchronicity of everything that led up to it so it was like all the yoga that i did to prepare and um then 
being in that place and having the synchronicity of the type of music that was played and the chakra that we were focusing on and um, my willingness to want to participate in the healing that I was occurring. And then when it happened, um, feeling grateful and blessed to have had that experience and not um, turning it into like, wow, now I'm this powerful person because I can heal myself of like some bacteria infection or illness or something. And to allow myself to remain humbled that this may not happen again. And I remember um, like a, two years later, I was in India um, for a 200-hour teacher training that I was assisting in. And I got sick and I remembered the meditation that I did and I tried to do it again and it just didn't work, <laughs> you know? And I was like, just sitting there, like, like focusing as hard as I could, like meditating and chanting, doing everything that I did. And just in the end of it being like, oh man, I think I'm even worse than I was before. <laughs> Cause you put all that energy into it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then just like immediately like receiving some like communication guidance, like, yeah, no, 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 this like, it's not going to work this time. You have to go <laughs> through this and you know, it's, um, and so that to me just shows how much more powerful just like the mysterious synchronicity is of the when and, and how and where these healings take place and what you can do as a participant in that to remain humble and allow it to remain a mystery and um, communicate to people that it's possible that it's happened to you. It can happen to others, but not to try to, make them think that you are the one that's going to lead to their healing. Um, and that just reminds me of like in star Wars in um, I think it's uh, episode two or episode three, where Palpatine is telling Anakin how he can save Padme, right? That his like his um, that he knew this way of like cheating death. Right. But it was all a scam, right? In the end, it was just like him to try to take over um, Anakin and turn him to the dark side. And that's like essentially what you see, even like in Thailand, the school that I went to, that's, a, it, that's exactly like what happened to, um, to the Swami there that, uh, it all came down to, it was just him in a giant power trip, just controlling people. And so, you know, I, I take that and I go, okay, now I know what not to do. And so when I'm moving forward, I'm making connections and I'm being introduced to communities that it's very clear who I am and that there isn't this ulterior underlining motive. Right. And I just I openly say I'm just a human like I've had some crazy shit happen to me and I like have had wonderful, beautiful meditations experiences. But at the end, like I'm still on the same level and path that everyone else is. Right. Yeah. Well, and people need that for that exact reason, because I think. Most people who have looked any any little depth into the puzzle have found those exact people who are like, I'm the best, I'm amazing, I'm the teacher, you're the student, like I'm power tripping. And you know, even if it's way more subtle than that, and you have to be way more discerning to finally see like, oh, even this person's on like their weird power trip of control. Um, we've all seen that, but we've rarely seen the people who are like you and I think like myself who are more like, no, we're all here together. Like I'm not ever going to be above you or mm -hmm. beyond you or like better than you or anything. Um, I'm just 
here, hopefully to serve in whatever ways I can in the upliftment of myself and the whole entirety of the human race and, and all conscious beings. And I don't pretend to know what that looks like even, you know, and that's, you know, part of how people are like, oh, were you always setting out to do this and this? I'm like, no, I just set out to just say like, hey, what should I do next? God or source or whatever. Like, what do you think is best for me? Because I don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, I know. I know in the micro level, like I know I should eat nutritious food and I should drink purified water and I should like try to stay away from other things. And, you know, I eat Doritos and Coke sometimes too, but like <laughs> I try not to. And I know those types of things, but do I know what's best for everybody? No, I don't pretend to. And this is why also people will say like, hey, can you do an Akashic Record reading for me? And I'm like, maybe we can find out together, <laughs> you know, because what I do is I go into my, uh, you know, process and my... Uh, meditative state in my uh, ceremonial space is what I call it. And then I just ask like, Hey, who's here for this person, you know, and, and what, how can I assist? And, you know, and then I'm shown things or do things or whatever. And sometimes it looks like an Akashic record reading, but I don't pretend ahead of time that I know that that's going to happen. Cause if it's like that, what you were saying, and then I tried to heal myself and I did this a, B and C and it didn't work that's exactly how it is for me every time. And I've been shown over and over and over again, there is no formula that I can use that will result in blank every time. Mm -hmm. But I do also know that if I do this, this, and this, and I go just into this openness and I just say, how can I be of service to this person uh, and what is best for them, that all kinds of things can happen. And it can be really amazing and beautiful. And it is every time, but it looks different every time too. So when people try to ask me even like, well, what's even going to happen? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> It'll be amazing and beautiful, you know, and I can tell you, I can hook you up with a bunch of people who have come before and they can try to share with you too. But even they are like, I don't even really know how to put this into words. So I think that's, there's something beautiful in that because all of life is a bit like that. You know, or we can say like, well, you're going to go to Thailand. What's it going to be like for you? I don't know. <laughs> like what specific experiences you're going to have? I don't know. Even if you planned it, you're like, well, first I'm going to go skydiving and then I'm going to go to this temple and then I'm going to da. You don't actually know that that's what's going to happen when you get there. When you get there, it might turn out, oh, that thing's closed or like, oh, this bus like actually went the wrong way and you ended up in this weird town and then you met this person like, you know, and you don't know either. and Nobody really knows. So and maybe there's people who are way different from me and who can say, I will give you an Akashic record reading and it'll be like this every time. And that to me is more amazing <laughs> than what I do. People think what I do is amazing and I'm pleased. I'm glad that it's helpful to, for them, but I'm more amazed by people who know for sure what's going to happen every time they do something. That to me is crazy. Um, and I don't even know how I got off on that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> related to what you asked but yeah um well it's just i don't know how we can pretend to know everything ahead of time yeah um that um you know goes along with that whole like um the whole sense of how synchronicities are mysterious and um i like to call it the mystical rhythm that there's this like pulse of of synchronicity that is always happening um but you can't quite put your finger on the tune right and that uh, whether or not 
the synchronicity is just going to like kind of stay level and stay simple and it's going to be little kind of coincidences here and there of something that you see on tv or you know repeating numbers or whatever but then there's this like sudden spike where a very obvious synchronicity a very like telling um moment that that happens that you just like you can't explain at all um and what I've uh, investigated and in, in just like paying attention to these synchronicities is um, even though you may not exactly know the content of the synchronicity, um, what you can do is that you can potentially increase the rate of the potency of the synchronicity. I think that's really what the spiritual practice is doing. That's what healing is doing. That's what... Um, talking to your guides is doing is opening um, your consciousness up so that the rate of more potent synchronicities can happen quicker and quicker to the point where that like small level of uh, synchronicity it gets like bumped up and suddenly what you thought were these like big spikes of synchronicities is now just kind of the normal and you live um a more kind of miraculous life to the outside world, right? If, if someone were to um, kind of follow you around for a day, they'd be like, how the fuck does all this happen in your life, <laughs> right? And you're like, I, well, you know, it's just a part of my life now, right? Um, and that's what I like to communicate to people um, when it comes to a spiritual practice that, um, a part of it is kind of arduous, right? Because there's the maintenance of it. There's like whatever daily thing that you want to do. Um, in my case, you know, it is specifically yoga and, and meditation and mantra work. Um, but then like how it looks like for you is going to be totally different. But what is the common ground is like, the daily kind of maintenance of it um and and not really for me i've let go of like the really arduent like um uh like to me it's like stressful to try to think of having to do it every day in a particular way because there's some days where i just go yeah just i don't really feel like doing it and i'm gonna um like apply it in my daily life um, or just like in my day in a different way if I'm just like randomly chanting mantras or um, like just like how I focus and I, I think how this kind of loops back is um, why people might be afraid of a spiritual practice um, mm. and and I think largely it's because in our kind of like mainstream day-to-day -day life, there's really no mention of it, right? Like you, you go onto social media, like um, unless you're really following particular people, but um, even then like on TV or just like your family or you're going out at work, um, that's something that you have to actually like stream into where you are. And if, if people don't have the the tools that fit them then they'll have no idea how to approach it and especially like we were talking about some of these leaders like spiritual leaders who turn out to be just like terrible people they have a distrust 
from it, right? And they're like, well, it's just going to lead me into a cult, and I don't want to be into a cult. Uh, it's going to lead me to this dude who's going to try to grope me, and I don't want that either. And and so it's then at, like, our burden to be like, no, 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 it's not like that. You know, like, those are just terrible people, and we avoid them at all costs, and this is how – uh, we prevented ourselves from falling into that, finding our own self-mastery and having a spiritual practice that does actually help us and help others. Yeah, and especially that piece, I think, that you nailed about not having to be so strict all the time, like 8 a.m. I do this and then 8.30 I do this and at 9 o'clock I do this. And, and not to say that that doesn't work really well for some people, but there's a lot more people who can't actually like be that strict like every day I have to do it and then I feel like I failed if I didn't do it today and I feel like uh you know I'm not gonna ever make it if I didn't do it like seven times this week or whatever you know there's all these things and it's like no there really are no rules the whole goal in fact is to become more observant and more present and more accepting Mm -hmm. and that's about like that's it in a nutshell right if you can say like here I am this is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what's going on right now. <laughs> that in itself is like something that a lot of people will never maybe even get to that point. Uh, and you're right. We don't see it reflected around us. We don't see anyone else doing it or talking about it. It is really rare unless you're in a, a specific community or following certain people who are doing that. And it is funny how many people have come even into my you know, baby groups, <laughs> my, like not very small or not very large. And I'm And I'm never, ever presenting myself as, like, the top or the leader or the, like, whatever. And even then I get some people who are like, what, are you trying to build a cult? Like, yeah, I'm trying to build a cult in which no one even is really sure if I'm a leader or not. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, what? Yeah. No. Um, But people have those prototypes and these sort of stereotypes, like, given to them by especially the media. You know, what's the number one response if you're going to present to anyone your sort of level of spirituality or your spiritual ideas or spiritual take on anything, it's like, oh, or like, oh, oh, so you're crazy. Like, wow, how is it crazy <laughs> that I have like a spiritual experience? How is it crazy that I talk about it? And how is it crazy that I help other people understand it or themselves or their own paths better? Hmm. How is any of that crazy or cult-like? But we just have this automatic response to it because we really have been trained to reject it and i don't think that's an accident i don't think i think our society feeds off of people who are disconnected from themselves and each other and the world and source and that's not you know that's by design Uh, so there's a reason why we have these reactions and these responses Um, but there's also a reason why there's even far more people who respond you know, to you and what you're presenting and offering and to me, what I'm presenting and offering with like, <gasps> like, oh my God, thank God someone's saying it or doing it or living it or being it uh, because that's all I really needed to remind myself that I can keep going and that I can keep reaching for it. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a kind of uh, cognitive dissonance around um, being perceived as a master, right? And so if you if you were to look at like the Pope, or Sadhguru, or um, any, like, religious leader, uh, what do they look like, you know? Like, what do they dress like? How do they, what's their appearance like? You look at the Pope, and it's like, there's an obvious disconnect of, like, oh, that's, like, someone way above any caliber of what a normal human being is, 
Um, and I can't help but think that that person is so much greater than me. Cause like, how can little old me be at that level? Because look what they had to do in their life to actually become a Pope or become Sadhguru or whatever. Right. And so when people like us who just are blending in with the crowd, you know, you can go to a grocery store and you're like, you can just be like basking in presence of your work and just sharing it with people. And they just don't even really know. Right. And then, so when they learn that you're a yogi and you're this meditator and you're this practitioner, they're like, but wait a minute, you look like I do, you know, you just picked up a pair and bought it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, and it's like, and so what I, um, kind of, uh, made my mission is to see that there's actually so many of us and there's like millions and millions of us and it just takes the little bit of courage to recognize that you're one of these people that are already super powerful and that is going to substantially change your life and that not in a way where you're suddenly going to become a millionaire. It's going to really help with the quality of your life of like you're saying that you're just like um, more caring and more loving and more present and you're more observant. And then how we come into the fold and how we come into the picture is celebrating right? That it's not so much like, okay, now I'm the powerful one out of everyone. And this is how things are going to go. It's we all blend together and we all celebrate the fact that like, actually, we are all ascended masters and we're all connected to it because that's what our higher self is. And each one of us has just a different degree of bringing that through that some people are a little bit less because they need to do a little bit more work. They need to do a little bit more healing and that's totally fine. And some a little bit more because they figured it out 10, 15 years ago. And they were like, you know what, I'm going to start doing the work and let's see how that goes. Um, and that's what is so beautiful, um, to me about where we are. And that kind of leads to, um, the question, one of the questions I asked of just like, especially over the last two years, um, you know, what's happened with um, just like the whole lockdowns and everything in the world. I know that affected my practice and my ability to share, um, you know, how has that altered what you've done or transformed it or helped it or maybe not helped it? Yeah, it's really, I mean, on a personal level and a whatever we want to call my practitioner sort of sharing with others level uh, are very different because my everything I offer to people I was already offering virtually and online and so it just grew because people needed it more (laughs) and so more people were looking for help and support in various ways and you know so I really saw that sort of um, take off to whatever degree you can call it having taken off Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's not like I uh, and making like tons of money or anything or doing this like all of the, every day all day long but it just a lot more people came to to seek my help and support and the services that I offer um, which is great you know because that being able to serve people and help people is one of the most 
you know, fulfilling things that I have ever done. Um, but it's also obviously changing their lives too. Uh, and then they're going to go out and change other people's lives too. And so especially in like a crisis, this is so gratifying to be able to be something that is helping sort of cement and secure a cemented security in the world of like realizing like it doesn't really matter you know if governments topple or if viruses come and go or if you know people live and die like these things have been happening forever and they will happen forever well maybe not hopefully not but you know they will continue things continue in the transitory world of experience and that we can all still just breathe and be who and what we are um and so that's been a really, really beautiful part of, of this experience for me uh, that's been great, actually, despite all the hard hardships and difficulties of this. Um, personally, it's brought up a lot more challenges uh, and therefore uh, experiences in which I can grow and opportunities to grow. And they don't look like that to me when I'm first experiencing them, you know, but looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I leveled up like 18 times in the past two years yeah. because I had to because, you know, life does that. They're like, it's like, here you go. Here's the challenge. Like you can sink or swim. You can climb or, or whatever. You could float, <laughs> You could, do, but you can't um, stop and you're either going to fall backwards or keep going. So which is it? Uh, and so that's also been really, really hard on many, many levels and um, also really, again, gratifying in a way because I've been able to look back and see like, wow, I actually grew a lot and I um, rose to the occasion more often than not. And that's um, something I can be proud of. You know, I have a lot of what I, uh, jihads having lived in the Middle East and learned that that actually more often was intended to mean an internal spiritual struggle. Uh, I've had a lot of jihads and goals that I have in order to, you know, I just, you know, it's good to see your flaws. <laughs> it's good to see where you're failing or not doing perfectly and then try and achieve a higher place uh, genuinely and not just by force or pretending, you know. Um, and it's been cool because the further I've gone through this and, and accomplished some of those things, the more I've started to see that it really is just a matter of seeing them, seeing your, you know, your own failings and your own places where you can sort of shore up the defenses or the whatever strength and that you already have internally so that you can meet future struggles with a little bit more grace uh, and ease and, um, you know, being able to be present enough and observant enough of myself with myself to notice in the moment when I'm doing those things, it's just like, it's, it's harder to, um, to do than say right and it's harder to even describe but the key to any of those struggles that we're experiencing and a hundred percent of them are internal we can look out at the world and we can say oh coronavirus came and did this and governments came and did this and businesses came and did this and all these other people are doing that and doing this but when it comes down to it it's really about what are you going to do what are you what are you experiencing and feeling and what are you going to do and those are the only things you have control over so um you know, being able to notice in the moment that you're doing it is the key to being able to then transform it into something that you'd rather do in those moments. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been amazing this year. And maybe it's because we've had all this space, you know, we've had to sort of stop and sit back and really just be with ourselves where we're at um, or not. A lot of people took the other route, went deeper into the delusion and disconnection. And, you know, they're going to they're going to see what that's like. Uh, but maybe it is that space that has allowed that because I've really, I've seen more of that in myself this year than any year previously in my life. Yeah. Similar with me and it's been really wild and 
facing the challenges, just what I've gone through, um, has really shown me what it means to level up. Like that was like the huge thing is like, um, really allowing myself to find this kind of like inner strength to have the confidence of not know what's going to happen and to let go of this, um, tendency that I was cultivating of trying to, um, like trying to know how things are going to work out, but, um, recognizing that that is what led to so much disappointment in the past. And so the last two years were this like perfect, um, storm of, this whole situation has come up and you have no idea how it's come up. Um, and then there's all the information that starts to come out of it that starts to indicate like, um, how we got into a pandemic and how all this stuff happened, but then to not jump into any boat and to be like, Oh, this is more about me being comfortable with not knowing and then acting from a place of presence where within that not knowing I'm really clear on what I want to do. And so it's, it has nothing to do with the fear of not knowing it's now, what do you place within that not knowing? And so it presented this huge synchronicity of like place within that, not knowing of what's going to happen, a podcast, you know, a <laughs> website, albums, make music, place it in that not knowing and see what happens. Right. And then suddenly, you know, I'm having these wonderful conversations with people I would have never have met, you know, and like I'm a part of a community I would have never have known about. And th that is the greatest indication now of like where I'm going. Right. Because then a picture starts to form and then I'm like, okay, I, I'm like, I'm starting to know something about, um, what I've started to cultivate. Um, and as long as I can continue leveling up, the next level is going to also present a whole situation where I go, well, I don't know. And isn't that wonderful? And then what can I put in that space in which I don't know? And I, I know that to like an outside listener that might sound convoluted, but it can be as simple as just in your day when you wake up and you have your whole list of to do's, right? And you know exactly where you're going to go. You know, you know exactly the path you're going to take to work. You know exactly where you're going to sit at work. You know exactly who you're going to talk to. But then just put one little seed of not knowing, right? Well, I don't know if one of my coworkers is going to be mad at me. Or I don't know if on my way to work, I'm going to get stuck behind a train. Or I don't know when I'm coming home, um from work and I get home if I'm going to make dinner or not make dinner or order food and then just sit in that not knowing and be like, I can be comfortable with this and then go on with your day. Right. And just like completely forget about it. 
And then suddenly you're driving to work and you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to go this way instead of the normal way, you know? And then you get to work and then three of your coworkers like, oh, I got stuck behind a train, you know, (laughs) at this like one spot where you're like, oh, I didn't go that way, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I, and I think that's like, um, that could be a good way to just like really start to tune into synchronicity without the like overt, um, like hyper spiritualized sense of it. Because I think that part of it, um, can be investigated when, um, when you're more ready for it, I think, but on just like the basic level, um, I think that's, that'd be a, that's just like a nice way for just like anyone to start getting into what spirituality is without the fears around it, you know? That's a really good, really good description, you know, of the not knowing and intentionally placing the not knowing into your day or into your life. Um, because now when I'm reflecting back the, you know, two recent times I can think of, of, of greatest transformation for me were times where I intentionally was like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing and I have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, one was when I went, I, I just, every day I was like, I, I know I'm looking for something. I know I need to connect deeper and I know I don't understand yet. And so I'm just going to, every day I'm going to go out to this area where there's thousands of trails, literally. And I don't know which one I'm going to take. And I'm just going to dr- drive up there and I'm just going to turn on random roads and I'm just going to find trails and I'm just going to hike that trail and do whatever. And, and that led me to transformative life-changing understandings and lessons that, that literally changed all of my life. And, and the next time I was in the same place where I'm like, mm, things aren't, things aren't how they're supposed to be. There's something else. I'm not getting it. I don't know what it is. What's mm-hmm. it going to be? I'm going to actually, <laughs> I did actually a similar thing. And on, and on a hike, I actually was given a really direct uh, message and I uh, ended up leaving my career, selling my house, bu- selling my car, uh, leaving the person I was with and buying a van and driving around the continent, which led me to where I'm at now, <laughs> which also changed all of my life completely. That was a bit more drastic. And I'd had much smaller versions of that. Like you said, you start like really small, but mm-hmm. eventually you might be like, okay, now I need this intentionally. Intentionally, I'm going to shake everything up and just go into the unknown and see what happens. Um, you know, you never know like where it's going to lead you literally. Yeah. Uh, and I've had that exact thing happen where I'm like, I'm going to go this different way to work. And then I got to work and they're like, how did you get here? And I'm like, I drove, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're like everybody is stuck out on like whatever. I'm like, oh, I didn't go that way today. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, the catalyst for me is actually a good friend of mine. Um, we are childhood friends. We've known each other since we were like four years old and we both got into yoga and everything at the same time. And, uh, he's the complete opposite. He knows everything, you know? (laughs) And like, I learned from him how to be like, just to do the opposite and be like, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't need to know everything, you know, it's, um, and it, it's, it's such a blessing in disguise to, um, to be able to observe that. And like, that's where, uh, for anyone listening, like try that out, like hang out with your friends, hang out with your family and just observe and see how they act and take that as little bits of learning lessons because 
from doing that, I found that it actually helped me deepen my like connections with people. And it actually allowed me to like have deeper conversations because then we would investigate things together rather than create this dynamic where I know everything and I'm just like spewing information out onto this person that we kind of come to the table together and we go, oh, well, you know what? We don't really know, but like, let's dig in and like, let's see what we can find together. And then it just makes the whole conversation and it makes the whole situation much more beautiful than um, feeling like um, I now have this task to uh, like enlighten this person. And, um, you know, like the biggest thing that I got out of it is ask questions rather than making statements, you know, because it's so easy just to like plug in statements, but to actually like sit and think and be like, well, what about this? And, you know, to actually, that will actually show how much more care there is and more compassion in the, in, in the willingness to uncover that realm of not knowing. Right. Yeah. That question asking itself is an amazing skill that most people genuinely uh, lack. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that they lack the skill. It's that they haven't used it for so long. Um, that they've trained themselves out of doing it. Uh, and again, I think this is intentionally crafted in people and, and accept, uh, engendered in people that they stop asking questions. So I don't think anyone should um, blame themselves if they haven't been asking a lot of questions. Um, but, you know, the ability to ask questions at all is really important. And then to ask questions of yourself, mm. and to ask questions of others, and to ask questions of things and of everything. And I just, oh, and then you're like always asking questions. And this is like the best place to be in. You know, and there's this balance you want to have because you do want to know some things, you know, you want to be pretty sure about some things. Mm-hmm. And I had this beautiful professor who gave me this and I've held on to it for the rest of my life because it's so effective and perfect. And she said, you have two hands, right? One hand, one hand is holding what you think you know so far. Like, here's what, I, here's what I'm pretty sure about. This seems to be true. And your other hand is empty. And that's because it's waiting for the new information that will come and mm. be filled up. And then you'll eventually be like, oh, okay, well, now I know this. Now this is what I know. It's different now. And I still have this empty hand that's waiting and filling. So you hold one hand out for what the truth that you have now, and you hold the other hand out waiting for the truth that will come. So you do have like, you know, I'm pretty sure water's wet. The sky seems blue. Yeah. <laughs> this computer seems to connect us across time. Like there's things that I'm pretty sure about. And even those, I still have my hand out waiting. Like, I don't know. What if there is something else I haven't yet experienced and I haven't yet understood and I don't yet know. And I hope to be like that forever. Oh, yeah. I hope to never be someone who is so sure about something that I cannot ask questions and that I cannot accept new experiences and information. Yeah. Um. When I turned 30, that was the huge shift, right? Because I spent my whole 20s like really diving in and investigating so much stuff and like just all the information, all the meditation, like everything you can think of. And as soon as I turned 30, I felt like I became a 10-year-old again. And I was (laughs) like, oh, no, what is happening? And I spent that whole year just like almost in this like haze of just like, I don't feel myself, 
but not in a bad way. It was just like something is changing. Something's different. And I just feel like I'm a kid again. And what does that mean? And immediately it's like, you know less than you think you know. And you have still a whole lifetime to live. So really put that into perspective. And I was like, okay, then I have still so much to learn. <laughs> and and I was just like, wow, silly me. Silly me to think that like, you know, five or six years of, of doing yoga was like it, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I like, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and like, uh, cause I have, um, like a Shiva tattooed on my arm, like a full sleeve. And I was just looking at it and I was like, Oh yeah, this is on me for the rest of my life. You know, like I'm going to be, however you're like, whatever elderly age I get to, and it's still going to be there. And I'm going to be like, Haha, yeah, I still have more to learn. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh Yeah. Shiva's um, been coming up a lot, so I feel like I need to investigate Shiva even more, because uh, this is the third time in three days that someone has mentioned Shiva, and, and other than that, I went who knows how many years without Shiva being mentioned, so... Yeah. Um, right, there we go. There's another synchro. <laughs> there's one book that I found in all my kind of yoga journeys that, to me really truly identifies like what Shiva is and who Shiva is. Um, it's a book called Babaji, the lightning standing still. Um, and the name of the author is like a mouthful. It's like a, an Indian man, um, Yogi Raj, Satguru, not Siddhanat. Um, but, um, just wonderful, wonderful teacher. Um, and, this book like completely changed how I viewed yoga and how I viewed like the history of what um, the lineage is and where all of it came from. Like it's, yeah, it's funny because I started reading it when I was in my 300 hour teacher training in India and I stopped like studying the material and I stopped like doing, you know, and like really caring about it because I was reading this book but I found that like I was getting such crazy yoga downloads that when I went to do the work in the actual like um, yoga classes and stuff, I just I was just like picking up on everything. And people were like around me like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how, how do you know these things? How are you remembering these things? I was like, well, you know, I'm just reading this like super dense, crazy, like electric, literally lightning freaking uh yoga book that it was just providing everything that i needed to understand um just what we were doing in the curriculum um so yeah like that book is interesting because he is right uh, in a line with like um yogananda and sri yukteswar and the whole kriya yoga um system um but um yeah, it, he's such a great storyteller and just poet and like historian. It's it's really great. Um, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so um, I think to kind of come to the end here, um, I think 
if you'd be okay with this, is there a short um, like exercise that you can lead through or um, something that you like to do with your students or just um, in your practice and teaching that maybe, um, you know, if people want to just uh, close their eyes and listen to you, if there's something, yeah, that you'd like to lead through? Yeah, I do this. In fact, every every week on Middle Path, uh, I do at least one, sometimes two. Uh, or if someone is a guest, I ask them to lead us on it. And I also do uh, guided meditations twice a week. And I do it by monthly subscription if people want to join up. Um, and I generally um, sort of channel that through from uh, source and, and I'm just guided to guide. And so it's coming from wherever through me to people. And so I don't know that we'll go that deep right now, but I'll just do a little simple, you know, no matter who is, is joining us from where and from what level of experience that they can sort of sink in and get a little, a little touch. So, um, so yeah, we can close our eyes. And the best beginning for me is to always uh, just find our breath. Breath is our power. It is our connection to source, one of many. And when you just notice your breath even, before you start trying to change it, you can just see where you're at. And sometimes even this stage, you can feel like, whoa, I have so much tension in my body. Most of us do most of the time. And as you start to breathe deep on purpose, you're gonna to start to see all that tension fade away and shift into openness. You can breathe through your nose if you can, if your sinuses are clear and that's comfortable, it's a really nice way to breathe. And you can breathe out through your mouth or your nose. And if you need to breathe through your mouth, that's also beautiful and good. The breath is still with you, it's still coming in and it's still going out. When we breathe deep, we fill our lungs completely, but we don't push and we don't force. We just fill and we notice if we're filling our lungs completely that our belly expands. And when we breathe out, we breathe out completely and we don't push and we don't force, but we just notice that our belly comes back in. So we breathe in deep and our belly goes out. And we breathe out deep and our belly comes in. As you settle into that rhythm, you can even notice that there's four parts to our breath that we breathe in deep and we pause and we breathe out deep and then we pause. And just like the cycles of the earth and all of nature, our breath has four parts. Because we are also a part of nature. And as we breathe in, we can notice that that breath is bringing us life and life force. And as we breathe out, we notice that the life force does not leave us. We just gain life force and we just brighten a bit. Maybe when we breathe out, things that needed to go are breathed out. 
and that just brightens even more. We breathe in brightness, and it fills our lungs and our belly and our whole body, in fact, with brightness. And we breathe out any stagnance, anything that needs to go, and that leaves us even brighter. We breathe in brightness, and we breathe out whatever needed to go. And now when we breathe in, you may notice that tension we felt earlier is dissolved a little bit. Our body is a bit looser, a bit brighter. When we breathe in now, if we find places that are not so bright or so loose or so open, that are a little bit tighter, we can bring our breath to that place. Maybe you hold tension in your head. You can breathe into your head with that fullness and that brightness. Maybe you find it needs to wiggle a little to really let go and you can move however and shift as you need to. And breathe into that to release and then breathe out any tension that was there. Maybe you hold tension in your neck or your back. You can breathe in that brightness to that place and shift however you need to and breathe out whatever tension lets go. Maybe you hold tension in your arms or your torso and you can breathe in brightness and light and breathe out any tension that lets go. Maybe you're holding tension in your hips. Maybe you breathe in light and brightness and lift the tension right out of your hips. Maybe they shift a little and you breathe out whatever tension is meant to go. Maybe you're holding tension in your feet or your knees or your legs. You can breathe in to those areas and release any of that tension. Now when you breathe in the light and the brightening force that's uplifting all of your body, you can see and feel just how much lighter and just how much more open and loose you are even in this short little space. You can breathe in that light and that depth and feel gratitude and love for ourselves for having done this little practice. You can breathe in love and gratitude for that light and that breath that brings us our connection and that beautiful life force. Take one last deep breath, one last deep exhale, and then you can come back however you like and bring your eyes open again. Hopefully that was a bit uplifting and loosening for anybody who joined in. Wonderful.
Thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing all your wisdom and having just really wonderful conversation about what it can mean for any one of us to have a spiritual practice and just navigating the world of um, just spirituality and, um, you know, what it can take to um, just have peace and serenity day to day in your life. And, you know, like in this little exercise that we did, just simply connecting to our breath visualizing um, brightness and love and compassion and how far that can go to shifting and, um, you know, making the rest of your evening or the rest of your day just that much better. So um, if you can uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media, website, uh, wherever that is. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad if I could help whoever it helped. And Anybody can find me. Uh, the, the hub for all of it is my site, so rogueways.org. And, and I always point out that it's rogue ways as in pathways and not rogue as waves as in sound waves or ocean waves. Um, so rogueways.org. Uh, and if you like Linktree, you can also go to my Linktree at Linktree uh, slash Lindsay Sharman. Perfect. All, all my stuff's there. So you can join me on Rogueways or Middle Path or you can come meditate with me. You can come hang out in uh the various places that i have online communities and i have all kinds of stuff yeah. <laughs> there's so much so <laughs> whoever wants to come join it yeah the links will be in the description so thank you everybody for listening to me